A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Milzoff, senior editor at Billboard and Broadway fan extraordinaire here. This is a very exciting week of Billboard on Broadway podcast to this week. Um, And as you might already know, the purpose of the podcast is to try to highlight as much as possible the increasing overlap between the pop and musical theater worlds. And that does apply uh, in large part to the kinds of scores that composers are writing for theater these days, but it also applies to the kinds of performers that we see on stage and hear. Uh, The word Broadway has historically connoted kind of almost a caricature of what a musical theater performer is, someone who sings with a ton of vibrato and belts to the rafters. But many of the most exciting young actors on the rise these days are the kind of opposite of that. Um, Sure, they can project um, and they have stage presence, but vocally they might have more in common with a singer-songwriter than with some sort of stereotypical diva who may not really exist. Uh, My guest on the podcast today, Kristen Milioti, is a great example to me of this kind of new and exciting uh, performer. She is probably most well-known at this point for the role that scored her a Tony nomination and kind of kick-started her career, playing the girl in the Broadway musical version of the film Once, which had this folk pop score that really gave an ideal showcase to her voice, which can sound delicate in one moment and really urgent the next Pretty immediately after once, her career took off, and she was mostly on TV for a while. She might be best known for playing Tracy, the mother of How I Met Your Mother, Uh, but she also starred in the series A to Z, and she had pivotal roles on Fargo, The Mindy Project, and in The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, But she came back to the New York stage most recently in the very bizarre but compelling David Bowie musical Lazarus, um, in which, among other iconic Bowie songs, she sang Changes. Now she's in the midst of a series of shows at Joe's Pub in New York. For those of you who haven't heard of Joe's Pub, it's kind of a favorite venue for musical theater performers to sing in a less theatery atmosphere. It kind of feels like a rock club meets cabaret setting. Um, and after hearing Kristen sing, you might wonder, like I did, why she doesn't have a recording contract already. She covers huge pop stars in her show, like Lord, Justin Timberlake, Robin, uh, but she makes their songs sound completely her own. Again, thanks so much in part to the really unique quality of her own voice. Uh, in advance of those shows, Kristen stopped by the podcast recently and her adorable dog, Rupert, napped in the studio while we were recording. And we talked about her very twisty path to musical theater success and her abiding love of pop music. Take 
Hi. <laughs> um, so before we talk about specific music things, I was realizing that it's like you have this rare career where I think it's equally likely someone knows you from musical theater, regular music, TV, film, like any one of those things could have happened. Yeah. So was music where you started or how did you kind of get into performing in the first place? Yeah, music is how I started, actually. Um, my... I, uh, my dad was always playing every type of music possible. We had music playing like at all times in our house. And I, uh, he plays guitar and we just grew up in a really music heavy household. And then I started singing when I was like four um, alongside Disney movies. And then they got me a voice teacher who I worked with for a couple years. I mean, as much as like a four year old can. Mm-hmm. And I was always like in bands in high school. Um jazz bands rock bands and then I started doing like theater as well because it sort of was all in like the same wing of the school um but yeah I've always music actually did come before acting I was curious whether you grew up in bands because I could see you as like a front woman yes (laughs) yes and like battle the bands at my high school always and I was like the singer for the jazz band like a big band like I still even as an adult has never I've never sung with like a 60 piece jazz band since high school that was amazing. awesome. Where yeah. was the 60-piece jazz band? Maybe was it – it was maybe 30-piece. <laughs> no. But, I mean, I don't know, but it was huge. It was um, – I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and we would we would go on, like, jazz band competitions all the time and sing these, like, big standards with, like, multiple saxophones and trombones and trumpets and, like, That's a amazing. percussion section. We had, like, a jazz guitarist. It was beautiful. That's yeah. so cool. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's such a f- sophisticated music to be singing in high school, I know. too, I would think. I used to have a recording of it somewhere, and God only knows where it is, but um, I used to sing, uh, I forget what a lot of them were, but I know one of them was Come Rain or Come Shine. You know that song? Yeah. That, yeah, that was like one of the big ones that we took to competitions all over the place. That's so cool. And yeah. do, you, do you have any stories of unfortunate band names when you were... Singing in bands. Um, The high school band that I sang the most in, I think, was called Blue Fun, which is the guy (laughs) who started it, um, uh, who I'm still in touch with, uh, who's still a friend of mine. Uh, He, if I'm being, you know, fully honest, he was on an acid trip and the words (laughs) Blue Fun came to him and it's like all he said all night. (laughs) And then that became the name of the band. It seemed really Yeah, I was not there the night of the inception of the name, but... (laughs) Yeah, that's it was like from an acid trip. Seems like he was pretty committed to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then getting into musical theater, I mean, was did that become a focus for you? Did it feel like that was what you wanted your career to be? Or was it just like one direction that seemed No, I think at first, like, because in high school you do musicals. Like, you don't really, we did plays, but like not, we did, we, I mean, that's not true. That's so dismissive. We did plays, but they were like old timey plays with like a lot of doors opening and shutting. Mm-hmm. Like the man who came to dinner or like you can't take it with you. Like every play <laughs> that took place in the Great Depression where like everyone talks like this. Like I, I wasn't sure, really, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really exposed to, um, when I was 16, I saw Top Dog Underdog uh-huh. with Jeffrey Great. Wright and Most Def. Yes. And that was like one of the first things um, that I'd ever seen that like, I, I, it just blew my mind. And then I saw Cabaret on Broadway as well. The sort of the, it wasn't Alan Cumming. Um, but that version mm-hmm. and that blew my mind too because that, that seemed like a melding of the two worlds of like musicals it was a musical but it was like a raw piece of theater as well um, and when I, I went to school for musical theater um, sort of not totally of my own free will because I went to the NYU undergrad program and they choose the studio for you so I was put into that automatically and 
when I got there, I think my dream was like, yeah, like, oh, I want to be in musicals. And very quickly, I was like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like the type of, you know, musical that they're trying to put me in. It just didn't fit. Um, But then I've tried my whole life to get into musicals and I couldn't book one to save my life. And I do love them. It's not to say that, like, I don't know if I'm expressing myself right. Like the other night I was driving back from upstate with a bunch of friends and all we listened to was Into the Woods and Les Mis and Annie like blasting and we were singing along and having like the time of our lives. I love musicals. I just couldn't book one to save my life. And in college, I didn't quite fit. My voice never fit the ones that like the classic ones like Music Man or Carousel or like I could maybe sing you, you know, Mr. Snow. It would be very different probably, (laughs) which I always sort of dug, but my teachers weren't as supportive. I can see you doing a good job with that. I also could see you being a good Sally Bowles, which no, that's like dream of all dreams, (laughs) dream of all dreams. But I mean, you do have such a unique voice. It's not a typical musical theater voice. And I feel like now we're in a moment where a voice like yours is wanted and is valued. And it feels like you almost have to be super unique to stand out on Broadway. But I can imagine there was a time when it was more difficult did were you always comfortable with having this very like individual kind of sound to your voice or was it something you had to kind of grow into I think it was like something I had to grow into like I remember um in college and I I wasn't there for a very long time but I remember like trying to get my voice to sound like Sutton Foster's like I remember like everyone was listening (laughs) yeah like everyone was listening to Thoroughly Modern Millie and I remember they gave me like they would assign you a song to sing in class and they gave me um Gimme Gimme which is such a hard song and um I just was trying to mimic her because I was like well that that's like what I should be doing I guess because every time I would try something it just like it just didn't fit Mm -hmm. Um, And I would feel like everyone else around me had this sort of like this specific vibrato and could, you know, it wasn't like I don't know how to describe my voice necessarily, but I know that it like sounded different from everyone. Well, I feel like Sutton is brassy and brassy is not a word I would apply to you. Right. It's like (laughs) she's brassy and and, like it's a clear as a bell. And it's I mean, I think her voice is like unbelievable. Her whole instrument is unreal. But um, yeah. And then when I would like audition for things. I would also try and like mask it a little bit because I I remember like I remember I auditioned for um, Eponine and Les Mis and they told me I was too sad. What? Which is like such a twist. Is there such thing? And they were like, either her, she's too melancholy, like everything, like the sound of her voice, the way she interpreted it, like it's all too sad. And that, which I think is like the dumbest thing possible. But um, also, like, I think that, yeah, it just it, it just didn't fit. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, I feel like you should receive a trophy for being too sad. I know. Yeah, right. Like some sort of recognition. <laughs> it's something for nobody knew could be a musical called The Miserable Ones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's its English translation. Yes. Let's translation. pause to remember that. Yeah. That's insane. So, I mean, you said that you grew up around so much music. What kind of voices were you hearing that influenced, do you think, how your vocal style emerged? And was there anyone you looked up to as like, wow, she has a really unique voice and I can do this too. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, my, my dad played a lot of like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald, which I listened to, you know, a ton. And then Fiona Apple is like really where I sort of, I like came into her on my own and just, I, she's still to me as like my, she's my end all be all. I know her catalog so extensively. I have like weird concert recordings of hers on my phone. Like I think that, she for me was so inspirational because I'd also just never heard 
I mean, I'm sure I had heard um, examples of this, but she was just like so unique and strange and feral and passionate and like all these things that um, really spoke to me even at like 10. Mm -hmm. Um, And her voice to me is just, I just, I could listen to it forever. And I have. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. It's been a great tragedy of my life that I've never seen her live. She's so good live. I've seen her twice. (laughs) One time was at an outdoor music festival, though, which was a nightmare. Yeah. Fiona Apple Outdoor sounds like it wouldn't, like, carry. It was for Idler Wheel. I went to go see her at, like, Governor's Ball. Governor's Ball. Uh And I showed up just for her, but that's, like, a three-day drug fest music fest. (laughs) Yes. And so, like, I showed up just for the two hours she was performing, like, Stone Cold Sober and, like, wanting to hear the lyrics and standing in a field of, like, 10,000 assholes. Wasn't meant to yeah, be. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. I was just, like, frustrated the entire time. No, that would that would yeah. totally be me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was curious about the kinds of auditions you were going on before Once Happened. I mean, where were you at when the Once Audition happened? And were you convinced that that was something you had locked? Or how did it no. kind of work out? Um, I don't remember. I was, like, sort of... Uh, what was I doing? I'd I'd auditioned for like a ton of musicals. I'd never come close to any. I came a little close to Spider-Man, actually. I had like a work session with Julie Taymor um, that obviously didn't quite go well. I mean, it was fine. (laughs) She was lovely, but, you know, it didn't it didn't work out. And I was doing like a ton of off-Broadway plays and um, that all were like really special. I mean, some were straight straight up terrible but like a lot were really cool and I was but I was like dead broke even though I was working all the time and play after play after play after play and then I was doing like little guest spots here and there on like The Good Wife or you know and sort of like scraping by um but like working all the time it was so strange um <laughs> but you know theater like doesn't you can't pay your rent doing mm-hmm. theater unfortunately um and I remember like I read it and didn't didn't like connect to it or something and I think I like I was asked to do a reading of it and I was like oh I'm moving that weekend and I read it and like I I just I can't I'm like and it wasn't for the role of the girl it was for another role in it and I was like I don't have time um and my agent was like I really think you should read it again (laughs) and I didn't know the movie really either so I didn't have like any um concept of what it was and then uh I auditioned for it and did this like three day reading and had like the time of my life. And then I auditioned again to play the girl. Um, and I mean, you know, it was like the best thing ever. Completely. Ever. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that was when I think about the when I saw Lazarus, I was like, oh, it's been such a long time since once. And it really wasn't that long. I mean, no, it, was it was a like, few years, but like a like lot happened years. for you in between. Yeah. Um, and I was like, why hasn't she been in a musical in such a long time? I mean, I um, want to be. It's like not it's not definitely not for lack of trying. There was like a hot minute where I was, you know, I like workshopped um, Sweet Charity, which would have been amazing. And uh, that was really fun. And that was like, you know, that's like a musical. Yeah. Um, but I'm like dying to do another one. I love them. Um, I, well, I was wondering if after once there were like, were offers pouring in for shows? Were you getting a lot of samey? I feel like once you do a really sort of like iconic for you role like that, often yeah. it's like, now here are a bunch of quirky girls for you to play. No, I mean, I would say that that, uh, no, weirdly. I, I think that like, a lot of plays came in, but maybe like, although now I don't remember this was cause this was now we're talking like four or five years ago. I don't mm-hmm. know. Not in the way that no one was like, do you want a headline? 
mm-hmm. carousel. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> no, that definitely wasn't happening. I mean, obviously, like, a, a ton of other things happened. But no, I don't, I don't think I was, like, asked to do musicals. I think maybe I did, like, a couple workshops. I feel like I'm leaving something huge out and I can't remember what it is. But <laughs> I feel like maybe something did happen and now, like, I've just, I've, like, blacked out or something. Um, but no, I, I love musicals. I think when they work, they are, uh, there's nothing like it when it works. When it's bad, it's, it's horrendous. But it's, it's true, yes. yeah, like when it, when it really hits that sweet spot of like, that you are so emotional that you, there's no way to speak anymore, that you have to sing. It, it's chilling. It's like unbelievable. Um, and they are really, really hard to do, but they're also like, it's like flying. I love them. Or I mean, I've loved the two that I've done. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all for advertising musicals. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm struck by the fact that you, I mean, going into talking about Lazarus a little bit, what was so wonderful about the music to me was that it didn't just sound like David Bowie karaoke. Right. And I yeah. think that was probably a real danger with it. And likewise, I mean, you sing a lot of pop covers in yeah. your show. And again, I don't think you sound like you're just trying to sound like anyone else. I think you really succeed in always sounding like yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, particularly with regard to singing the Bowie, like, how do you get into that and tell yourself, I don't need to sound like David Bowie? Like, how do I even approach singing something like Changes? Well, some of that's like just inherent because I'm I'm not because I'm a woman and because like. I- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I sound nothing like David Bowie. And then he went through you know, he rearranged changes the way it was in that show, which is mm-hmm. so different than the original and which also helped it. And it was like in a key for me. And, you know, um, I don't know. I think I also I also stayed away from that song for a really long time, uh-huh. like leading up to it. Um, I would only listen to the demo that had been sent to me of the rearrangement. And then also once I got into that show, it just took on something different. Like it just it just was different. 
Was the demo him singing it for you? No, it was a. Uh, it was one of the girls in the show who had done like a workshop of it like a year before. Okay. Um, but yeah. So were you left very much to kind of find your own way into it, or Absolutely. did he work with you at all? On he it? was like very. We were allowed to like find our own way through it, which was pretty amazing. Well, I remember the point at which it comes in the show. It wasn't until like right before the chorus that I was like, oh, wait, this is changes. This is changes, like, <laughs> yeah. It was really, um, I thought that that arrangement was really beautifully done. Um, it was so, so different and sort of fit the show. I thought that, that it it was, because it could have very easily become a jukebox musical. And that thing is the farthest, I mean, Lazarus is oh, the no. farthest thing from a jukebox <laughs> musical. I always sort of thought of it as like a, like an extended um fever dream like a performance art piece yeah it's like a fever dream song cycle almost. yeah yeah and then it, it was sort of i think a lot of people maybe came to that being like but what is the a story and the b story and it wasn't really it was just this thing to be experienced um i thought yeah no it was certainly an experience afterwards i was like what just happens yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> it's yeah. crazy i know a lot a lot went on <laughs> um well i mean you're clearly very into pop music so, i love that i love immensely. the fact that there are i mean I, when I've listened to your stuff, there's like Justin Timberlake and Lord yeah. and Robin, and it's yeah. like very, very poppy. Yeah. Um, are, are you a big fan of pop right now? Huge. Like, what are you listening to? Well, I was just talking about this with someone the other day. I was saying that like pop music to me is my favorite type of music because I think when it's done correctly, like when it's when you have someone like Robin, for example, I think Robin's like a great example. The Call Your Girlfriend is a perfect example. That is a song that, for whatever reason, like gets your heart rate going mm -hmm. and gets like your endorphins pumping and sort of opens your heart. And when you listen to what it's actually about, it it like makes you feel a thousand emotions. And I sort of do think it's it's like how what I was just saying about like the best musicals do that. Like I think pop at its best, um, sort of is this like euphoric, incredible experience that can actually like open your heart in a way that. Um, you'd never see coming, mm -hmm. which I really, really love if it's done well. And it like gets in your head, you know, like a melody will worm its way into your brain and you'll be like singing the lyrics over and over as you're walking down the street and then suddenly you'll realize what they mean. I mean, Call Your Girlfriend sounds this like this, you know, huge dance hall uh, electronic number and it's about begging the person you love to leave their person and be with you and knowing that they never will. I mean, it's such a, it's such a dark song. It's very dark, yes. Um, I've been listening to <laughs> melodrama a ton. Mm -hmm. lately lord's new album and i feel like she's very much in that robin world of like um you know you listen to i mean green light green light is such a good song or supercut or writer in the dark i mean any of like supercut is you know you're you you like it's like peppy i mean I, I, that's like a pedantic word to use for her because she's really <laughs> an astounding artist but like you don't quite realize what it's about when you first hear it and then the more you listen you're like oh my god this is heartbreaking completely but like this is say, what, it's a peppy like yeah song. <laughs> but you know she sort of like gives me the vibe and, and robin does this too of like you listen to it and it's like dancing on my own and it just kind of makes you want to like dance and rage by yourself and go through all these emotions they sort of release it for you and I think that's like what pop music does. I mean, that's what, why Bowie is so brilliant. Like, I always felt listening to his music like he'd read my journals. And it was the catchiest and best song I'd ever heard. And it made me feel things that came out of nowhere and were unexpected, you know. And and I, not that he's necessarily pop, but like, I think that um, when it's, when that's accomplished, it's just, I don't know, it just sends chills all over. I think like excellent pop is... Um, it's really underrated. And I mean, I feel like there's a parallel here with excellent musical theater as well. Absolutely. I mean, they're both cases where singing, where <clears throat> speaking doesn't suffice. And yeah. 
you know, gives you all the feels quite literally. I mean, there <laughs> I, I, I was in L.A. last year working and they screened um, West Side Story outside in Echo Park. And I hadn't <gasps> seen it in a really long time, maybe like 10 years. And I was watching it and like tears were streaming down my face because I was like, oh, my God, right. This is perfect. And like what he was able to do with these songs immediately puts you in the hearts of these people. And even if you can't relate to their exact situation, you feel the same thing in a way that's like chemical because you're not being told. You're just your body is like hearing it, taking it in. And all of a sudden something's happening to you. And that's why I think, I mean, music is almost it's to me, it's like the ultimate form of expression, way more than acting, way more than a novel, way more than film. I mean, to me, it's like immediately like gets to your marrow. Completely. Yeah. Also, whenever I play the what is the all-time best musical game in my head, which is very hard, I do always come out with West Side Story. It's end, such a good, I think. It's so good. It's pretty perfect. Yeah. It's just, it's so, so beautiful. And everyone has, I, I feel like anyone who likes it always has like an, an intense, I have such an intense relationship to that musical. Yes. There's no way to feel yeah about West Side Story. Because we grew up <laughs> listening to it and I like played Maria in high school and was truly dreadful. But like, you know, we... Like, my dad and I would listen to it all the time. And whenever I hear it, I'm, like, immediately 14 again. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's, yeah, it's brilliant. I feel like we're coming up with a really good list of future roles for you, by the way. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I mean, we could do, like, a, a modern West Side Story. Yeah, they have to lower it considerably. But, yeah, yeah. Maria's an alto. Yeah, Maria is, like, a deep alto. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I do when I, you know, when I think that's like what was so amazing, right? To I mean, not that Hamilton is pop, but like that's what's amazing about Hamilton, right? That's been like talked about so many mm -hmm. times is that like they're able to talk to show this beautiful, multiple beautiful stories in one show about these people. And it's through this through this form of music that is like, you know, quote unquote current. And it it just like takes you along for the ride in a way more intense way than if that were a film Completely. or if that were a book or if that were. Um, just a straight play. Completely. Did you did you ever see, by the way, the uh, the Burt Bacharach show that was off yes, that Stephen Hawking did. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. It was beautiful. I'm like that was what Lazarus called to mind for me a yeah. little bit. No, but I I keep praying for that to go to Broadway in some yeah, way. Yeah, that was gorgeous, and you just let it like wash over you. Completely. Yeah. No, and I like I will never look at Burt Bacharach music the yeah. same way again after seeing that. Yeah, it's thrilling to see things like that. I think. So and. You've, I mean, I know, I love the um, version of Losing My Mind that you oh, do, you. which I think just like I totally reinvents song. it. And are there other like more classic musical theater songs like that, that you do in your show that you would like to tell us a little more there about? There aren't now. I am doing one from uh, Waitress in my show, which is a show I have not seen. Mm. But I think that, um, you know, and Sarah Bareilles obviously is, I, I love her. I think she's wonderful. Um, and But it is like a musical theater song that I'm playing on the piano. Is it She Used to Be Mine? It sure is. That song I is, can see that, that happening. That song is so good. It's, that song's brilliant. It's so well done, and it's such a simple song. It's four chords over and over and over. And it's like, it, it to me, it, like the the first time I heard it, I just, I was like a mess. It, it really describes so perfectly what it feels like to have lost touch with yourself mm -hmm. and the desperate want to start over. And it does it in like three minutes with four chords. And that is like, that to me is, it's so, it's brilliant. Well, I mean, losing my mind is a really interesting choice. Oh. And I'm curious how you decided to do that. Because that's traditionally thought of as such a kind of showstopper, like yeah. kind of diva, like heartbreaking moment. And 
I feel like you make it so approachable and it really to me sounds Thank like you. it could be a pop song. Well, because I think that's my favorite musical theater song of all time is Losing it's My a good Mind. Choice. Yeah, it's for <laughs> hands down like has always been my favorite. Um, to me, it's like the most quiet because it's a song sung from inside your own head. And it's so I mean, that song. So I was just talking about that song the other night when we were listening to like Annie and Les Mis and all these um, <laughs> that um uh, song so accurately represents heart sickness to me that it makes me like angry that almost how good mm-hmm. it is because <laughs> it really does like all of us at one point have felt something for someone and it makes us like you realize you've been standing at a like at your kitchen counter for 20 minutes staring into the distance like everyone has had it um and whether it's over you know someone that you're romantic with or over something that's happening in your life like just heartache he does it so well. Um, and just the way that song is structured, um, it's it's interesting to me that it's like usually done so big and brassy. I mean, obviously, that's how I was introduced to it. But it is it has always struck me as a quiet. It's quiet mm-hmm. um, because it's a, it's about suffering alone. It's about like being alone with these thoughts and these feelings and no one else being able to understand and that like horrible feeling when you you wonder if you're cracking apart and if and how can no one know? Mm-hmm. It's so good. That song is unbelievable. Suffering alone is such a Sondheimian kind of thing. I know he does it very, very, very well. I feel like now that I mean now I feel like you should be a natural for a Sondheim show. I would love to do a Sondheim show, very, very much so. Um, yeah, I would. I would love to. Do you have a dream Sondheim role? You know, I don't. Actually, I'm trying to think. I mean, I would love to play like Mrs. Lovett one day. I'm a <laughs> little far off for that. But um, I, I, I love that show. Uh, I would. I don't know Into the Woods well enough to be like, I'd like to play the baker's wife. Yeah. Or like, you know, but I, I, I just think he's, um, yeah, he's deeply brilliant. I obviously. Could, I could see you being a baker's wife yeah. someday. Well, I hear they're, they're doing a company with a woman. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe in London. Hmm. I might be wrong. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I think I'm. Yeah, right. I've heard of that. Which, I've I've been concentrating on the company that's happening at Barrington soon okay, because I'm yeah. obsessed with recent podcast guests, Aaron Tveit. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, I heard about that and was like, hmm, I, don't I know would how like I to feel see about that. that. It'll be very interesting. Yeah, and, and that's another show I don't know. In I, I know like pieces of that show. I've never seen that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's obviously brilliant. <laughs> Well, I was thinking that, I mean, you've had this, which I think a lot of young, younger people in musical theater can experience now, is having done, like, only new stuff and yeah. doing only contemporary shows on Broadway and, like, <clears throat> close to Broadway. Um, I mean, does that spoil you in terms of the kind of material you want to do? Do you feel like, oh, I only want to do new stuff now? Or No, I'm open to anything. I mean, that's like, you know, when we, when with Sweet Charity, like, that's something that is a show that is certainly you know, uh, shows its birthday a little bit. <laughs> um, it's from a, such a completely different time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's so much to be mined there. And I think that way about, um, I think that way about a lot of Rodgers and Hammerstein, actually. It's because it's like when it's done well, it's, it's so shockingly dark. You can't believe that it was written when it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels super, a yeah. lot of Rodgers and Hammerstein with, feels really timely right now. Yeah. Same thing with West Side Story. I mean, you look at that and you're just like, oh, nothing's changed. Great. Yeah. Um, and that was written, <laughs> not so great, you know, right, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, I think that that is, um, you know, weirdly what I've always wanted to do is gypsy. I've, I know that that's not Sondheim or the lyrics, but, um, yeah, I've always wanted to play 
you could be a Louise. Yeah. Louise. Yeah. Well, I like this wish list that we've come up with. I don't know why. I think I like, I just like the idea of that show. I'm always like, oh yeah, that show. Like, I, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> that, that thing, yeah. Gypsy. I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, I feel like we should tell people who, are, who cannot see where we are right now that Rupert, the dog, is on the oh, floor yeah. and has been like adorably napping throughout My the entire podcast. <laughs> I know. He's such a sweet angel. I also, are you wearing a saxophone? Necklace? Yes. Yeah. I, I adore that. Is there Thank a story you. about that? This was my dad's. Uh, he played saxophone all growing up, and his mom, my grandmother, made him like a brooch. Of, uh. Which, because why? What else would you get a sixteen-year-old boy but a delicate <laughs> saxophone brooch? Um, and he had it made into a necklace for me. That's I wear such a it good idea. Day. I had I yeah. uh, talk about my French horn playing past on the podcast a lot, mm-hmm. but I have many tiny French horn brooches <laughs> that yeah. like must be a thing you give children I when love, they play instruments. I love it so much, and it has his birthstone in it. That's and I well, wear it every day. A sax necklace is a great idea. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned Lord. Um, are there any other new things going on in your show that you're particularly excited about trying? Some Lord, actually, new Lord. Um, a new Bonnie Vare song uh, off of Twenty to a Million. Did you, did you listen to that album? Yes. Oof, brutal, <laughs> brutal album. Yes. Um, also brilliant, deeply brilliant. That's an album that um, I was just talking about this last night. I was rehearsing with the guys that I'm doing the show with, and I was talking about how that album. Um, it's not something that you can be like, I want to play this track for you. Like, you have to sit in that album <laughs> you and have listen to, sit to and it just in experience order the whole thing, and yeah. just experience it. And I think that that's, like, so ballsy and amazing. Um, yeah, so that so Lord, some Bonnie Vare that's different from the usual Bonnie Vare. Uh, some Emmylou Harris. I grew up on a lot of Emmylou Harris as well. Nice. Who I love. Uh, some First Aid Kit. Do you know them? I adore. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. obsessed with First Aid Kit. Yeah. I listen to their America cover all the time. Their America cover? Yeah, the Simon and Garfunkel America. Oh my god, I've never heard that. Yeah, the, I harmon- love the harmonies are out Their of control. harmonies are nuts. <laughs> I know. Their harmonies are nuts. If um, you want to sit and just gently weep alone, yes. I would recommend listening to okay. it. Okay, <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. And then, um, what else? I'm just trying to think of what... I need to like look at the actual set list. Oh, like, give me a second. 15 text messages. Jesus Christ. Um... <laughs> Brandy Carlisle, do you know her? Yes. I'm doing one of hers. Oh, oh Sia. Duh. Should have known that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then one by um, Will Connolly, who uh, is part of He's like, he always plays with me. Um, mm-hmm. He did once as well. And he just released an album and we're doing one of the songs off of that. And then I'm doing a couple of originals too. Which, That's, yeah. That sounds amazing. I was going to say, have you... Have you been offered recording contracts before? Like, it seems, watching you perform, it seems odd to me that you would not have I would love been to. given the opportunity to do an album not. at some point. That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> Anyone you want to email. No, I, I never have. I, like, talked to a um, to the people who did the Once album for a second about it. Um, and it was a very involved process that at the time I didn't have, like, that my schedule wouldn't allow. But no, I would love nothing more than to record an album. It's like a dream. I just don't really know how, which is, is a terrible <laughs> excuse because we live in like a time where anyone can record an album on their like iPhone, but I truly don't know how. Well, thank you so much for coming thank in. You for I'm excited me. about the show. Yeah, me too. Yay. Yeah. Thank you.
Kristen Miliotti is at Joe's Pub through August 19th. And if you haven't heard once yet, I would strongly suggest checking out the original Broadway cast recording on the streaming service of your choice, which, of course, Kristen is featured on. As usual, if you like Billboard on Broadway, please subscribe on iTunes, give us lots of stars and nice reviews. You can always find me on Twitter at Rebecca Millsoff, and you can use the hashtag Billboard on Broadway if you would like to tweet up a storm about the podcast and hope to see you again on our next episode. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.